trajectory is important. You know, maybe uh, the best way to explain that statement is this way. Um, I'm aware of this, that uh, those that work for NASA and those that figure out trajectories can tell you that trajectory is important. As they make mathematical calculations down to just the the smallest iota of of a degree, that trajectories can make all the difference in the world in where a a spacecraft, whether it's being launched out to to meet up with a space station or, or wherever it's going, a trajectory makes all the difference. Even though in its beginnings may seem small and incrementally insignificant, yet it makes all the difference when it's magnified over time in space and distance. That's why trajectories start to show themselves and reveal themselves very clearly over time. How you begin your trajectory says a lot about you. You know, I I remember uh, there's a news report that came out some months back, and the report was that a a mom and, and two children, it was a pregnant mom and two children were missing. And the network news actually went to the house of this woman, and, and they interviewed her husband, who was on the front steps and the front porch of this house, and he gave a testimony. He just said, I, I just, I desperately want to find my family. If you know where they are, please, please call. Let, let us know. We desperately want them to come home. It's all we want is for my family to come home. Now, fast forward a few days, and that continued to be a news story. What happened to this woman? What happened to her kids? And, and then the story broke that uh, it actually was a murder and um, it was the husband himself who had committed this heinous, heinous crime. And, and as they reported it, and he had actually uh, not only committed the crime, but that he hid their bodies and, and just this grotesque reality that unfolds. But then what bugged me, not only in the disgusting nature of well, who does that, And what's the trajectory of one's life that gets them to that point to take the lives of their family? But then the way it was reported, I take it back to, it was a a pregnant wife and two children. And it got reported on the national news that the husband destroyed the lives of three people. And I'm thinking to myself, but there were four beating hearts that stopped. What's the trajectory of that? How do we get there? You hear it all the time. The trajectory of a world and a culture that would suggest that a child in the womb really isn't a child. It's a fetus. It's not a baby until that baby is born. How do we get there? More months ago, a couple of years ago, there was a, a report that was made of a young lady and she had been diagnosed with a terrible sickness it was terminal and and she uh, there was no escaping it there was no treatment and and in her sickness uh, it became a national news story she had chosen to move to a state uh, that supports and legalized uh, physician assisted suicide and so she moved to that state in order to end her life without having to go through all the suffering, without having to go through all the pain and agony of the disease, she chose to move to a state where she could take her own life, and as the story was printed or, or published or on social media, to die with dignity, as she said. <coughs> and meanwhile, 
social media lit up to say, God bless her. To die with dignity. And I'm thinking, how did we get there? And I don't want to pretend to be in anyone's shoes or pretend that I understand all of the complications that go into a decision like that. However, the question can be raised, how did we get to that trajectory? That a child doesn't really exist until after they come out of the womb. That, that it's okay to take one's life if it means avoiding pain and suffering. When did we get to a point where we say, Life is something we can make decisions on. And we can decide who's valid, who matters, and when life really is worth living or not. Trajectory plays a lot into that. <coughs> that said, I'd like you to close your eyes. And I want you to just listen to these words and hear the trajectory of these words. Oh, Lord, you've searched me, and you know me. You know when I sit, you know when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar, you discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all of my ways. Before a word is even on my tongue, you know it completely, O oh Lord. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. And all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them even came into being. How precious to me are your thoughts, O oh God. How vast is the sum of them. Reflections of David from Psalm 139. Or, or how about these words from Jeremiah? And the word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were even born, I set you apart. I appointed you. Or how about these words from Isaiah 46? Listen to me, all you who remain, you whom I've upheld since you were conceived and have carried you since your birth. Even to your old age and gray hairs, I am He. I am the one who will sustain you. I have made you and I will carry you. I will sustain you and I will rescue you. You can open your eyes again. What's the trajectory of those words? very different. If, if this is how the, the, our, our conception of life begins, and we think, you know what, I'm here as an accident. I'm here as an afterthought. I'm here by chance. I came about just by kind of a process, and it really doesn't really matter what I do or what I say or what my life amounts to, because after all, I'm an accident. I'm here by chance. Well, how does that affect our trajectory? If we have no really no purpose or meaning or calling, if that's true of us as a human race, well, it does make sense to me that the trajectory would look very different. If that's our starting point, it would make sense to me. Like, well, then we should be able to, to decide what, what lives matter and what don't. And 
And it would make sense to me that we would want to avoid pain and suffering because after all, if our life is meaningless, well then by all means, avoid suffering and pain at all costs or any inconvenience. Because if the goal is I'm just here, I'm just going to want to stay comfortable. I'm going to want to just avoid pain and struggle and challenge. But if the beginning point is different, if it sounds more like the words I read that that I'm not here by chance, and that my life matters, that God formed me and shaped me and molded me, or as Jeremiah says, even before I was conceived, he had me in mind. I mean, think about this. A God who has people, lives in his mind and his thoughts from all eternity. If that doesn't give you a little bit of goosebumps here today, I, I don't know what will. Ponder this. Your life has been pondered by Almighty God from all eternity. He knew you from even before you were conceived, even from before you were born. And I love how when David reflects on those words in, in Psalm 139, you know, he goes on and he says, you know, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. It was fascinating to me, even from the moment of conception, the DNA that is present there, the building blocks, the, the blueprints of life. And, and even in that moment, in that just small gathering of cells, the DNA blueprint for what that person's life will look like, the color of their hair, color of their eyes, how their, their body will develop and, and how tall they will be, how, how long their toes are. By the way, this is an important one for me because um, I have my second toe on both feet is longer than my big toe. And, and when it says I am fearfully and wonderfully made, it, it always resonates with me because my kids are afraid of my toes. I am fearfully made, and, and yet it's unique. And, you know, that's in my DNA. It's, there's a family trait of long second toes. Like, that's just really crazy and weird and awesome all at the same time. And yet a God who says, I formed you, I shaped you, I molded you. Uh, to know that in that, from the moment of conception, they, they say that within 16 to 22 days, the heartbeat is already present. And what's crazy about that, when you think of it, is the child at that phase is only the size of a grain of rice, and already they have a, a heartbeat. Whoa! A God who shapes and molds. A God who plans. A God who has in mind the gift of life and a calling that says, you are mine. You matter to me. Your life has purpose. It's quite a trajectory that comes from that way of thinking and that way of understanding. And yet, as I've been reminded, um, we have one of our mission partners, uh, Crossroads Care Center in, in Auburn Heights, or Auburn Hills. They do amazing work on, on the front lines of being there for families in crisis or those who find themselves in situations like, what do I do now? And they're there to support and, and bring about care and love and, and an encouragement to know they're not alone. And, and one of the things I've learned from, from their directory shared with me that, you know, statistics show... <coughs> 50% of our population, it doesn't matter those who, are, who are, go to church regularly, those who don't, 50% of our population has been affected by abortion in some way, whether personally, whether being on the, the other side of funding it or making it happen, that 50% of our population has gone through it or experienced it or been faced with it. And how do we get there? <laughs> when our God brings us back to say, but don't you know? Life matters. 
Some years ago, earlier in my ministry, I, I remember getting the phone call from a family in my congregation, and, and they were expecting a child, and they'd gone in for their prenatal screening, and it was determined that their, their baby had a very serious defect, uh, heart condition, and there were various other developmental issues. And, and as the, the prenatal screening played out, they, those who were doing it, they said, you know, a lot of families may choose at this point to terminate the pregnancy, and is that something you'd like to do? And I, I've learned this is commonplace, to ask that question. And, and they said, well, no, we, this is our child, and we want, and, but just the overwhelming thought of, we're going to face a challenge up ahead. And I remember fast forwarding as they'd shared that news, but then when the day came and this baby was born premature and, and, and they called me and got to the hospital and there she was and, and she, you know, a lot of times you, you say, wow, what a beautiful baby. Let's be honest, when babies are born, there's no baby that's really that good looking. You know what I'm saying? They look like aliens, right? They just do. Let's be honest. When, when a baby is just born, they're not super cute. And, and, and she was not super cute. But also you could tell she looked different. There was something unique about her. And, and I remember as, as we're there in uh, the NIC unit and, and she's in the incubator, we're gathered as a family and the doctor said, you know, this heart condition is serious enough. She will not survive unless we do surgery. And this ethical dilemma, what do we do? And the doctor says, you know, even if we do the surgery, it's possible her life may not be like other kids. We don't know, but um, there's a chance she may not live very long. We, we just don't know, and, but she's going to have challenges. There's, there's developmental issues we can see, and what would you like to do? And so here's this ethical dilemma. And before we dealt with all that, we said, well, you know what? Let's share Jesus with his precious child that God has called and formed in your womb. This is a gift of God. No matter what the world says, no matter what a doctor says, no matter what the diagnosis, this child is precious because that child is a life that matters with DNA and a heartbeat and a life that God has ordained. And we baptized her, and they named her Faith. I love that name. We baptized her. It was the first time I'd ever done this as a pastor. Baptized her right inside the incubator with a little tiny bit of water reaching in through and and just tears fill in the room as we celebrated this treasured child of God. And the family decided we're going to do surgery. And uh, she goes into surgery. It's three, four hours later. She comes out of surgery. And, and I was there in the room as the, the surgeons entered in. And, and the smiles on their faces are like, it went really, really well. And the amazing thing is, I've never been in a room where a surgery ended and a surgeon came out to report that. And yet there was still heaviness in the room. Because there's a realization of, yes, she did well in the surgery, but what does this mean for the rest of her life? Well, I'm here to tell you, this young lady has grown to be this amazing teenager. And, and yes, she struggles with certain things. She's maybe different than other kids, but this kid smiles constantly. And the joy she has brought her family, the faith that she has strengthened in so many as an encourager, as a lover of people, and as one who reminds people every day, I'm a miracle, and God loves me, and he loves you too. Every once in a while, her mom will write me a note just to say, the Lord has shown us what faith really is all about. And she means that in two different ways. That God can strengthen faith and encourage faith through life. 
I have another friend I met in college, and he kind of looked a little different than other friends I had, and I don't know how the conversation got going this direction, but one day he explained to me, he says, well, my, my deformities are actually a result of my time in my mother's womb. And I said, well, tell me more about that. I'm intrigued. And, and he said, well, I'm, I actually am a, I'm a survivor of abortion. And I says, now you have my attention. What do you mean? He said, well, my... I was an unwanted pregnancy. My, my mom was single, and, and uh, she had a saline abortion. And basically the way that works is that the child gets kind of burned alive inside the mother. And, and he said, somehow, someway, um, it didn't work. And then I was born, and, and as a result, she put me up for adoption. And, um, and, and he said, you know, I, I pondered that a lot, and, and for years, um, pondered, you know, who my mom is, what went in all those decisions, and, and he says, I, I was adopted by this amazing Christian family that taught me about my calling in Jesus. He said, I've always had this sense of, I, I'm meant to be here, and, and what's great about this friend is he went on to be a pastor, and has, has shared Jesus with thousands and thousands of people over the years, and, and years ago, he shared with me, he was able to connect and, and find out who his birth mom was, and he looked her up, he went and visited her, and he said it's one of the most amazing and difficult visits he's ever had, but he wanted to go and share Jesus' love with her, not knowing what her faith was, what her background was, but to share forgiveness and grace and mercy, and he says, I was able to tell him as we cried, and, and able to tell her, I forgive you, I love you, my life has meaning and purpose. And I can't imagine what you were going through back then, but I'm here to tell you the grace of Jesus is bigger than all of that. She wept in his arms. You know, there is nothing that is too great for the mercy and grace of Jesus to bring healing and renewal. And he's here today to do that in our lives too. And in our culture, in the trajectory of the lives around us, to be the light of Jesus, to bring hope and the peace and the joy that comes from a God who tells us, you matter to me. And the people around you, they matter too. Because they've been loved, they've been called, they share they, in this joy that is ours in life. And you know what? God never said it's going to be an easy life. Our goal is not to avoid pain and suffering because after all, our Savior shows us that sometimes the greatest love that can ever be shown leads to suffering and pain. But it's there that the mercy and the grace rises up to say life is worth living today. Because life is significant, and your life matters. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we ask you, continue to teach us what that trajectory is, that life in this world matters. And we pray we would not be defined by what we're against, but rather what we're for. And what we're for is mercy and grace and love and forgiveness in Jesus. Because it's in that place, in your presence, that we find true life, a life that, Jesus, you've come and given us life to the full. Lord, so bless your people. Pray for those, Lord, that struggle with guilt and shame of their past. Pray for mercy and forgiveness to overwhelm them today in your presence. Lord, we pray for those who face difficulties and challenges ahead, and we pray for uh, that purpose and that calling and that trajectory of life that you reveal through your word, that life matters, 
and that our life and our days are a blessing no matter what we face. Lord, teach us to number those days aright, to be people who celebrate that we are wonderfully and, yes, even fearfully made in your presence. We praise you for it in Jesus' name, now and always. Amen.